0: everyone. The regular meeting of the Memphis City Council, May 11th, 2021. Mr. Clerk, please call the roll. Councilor mm-hmm. Bears, Present.
1: Councilor Falco. Present. Vice President Knight. Present. Councilor Marks. Present. Councilor Morel, Present. Councilor Scarpelli. Present. President Carabiello. Yes, for please
0: rise and salute the flag. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United, United, States, United States of America,
2: and to the republic, republic, republic for which it stands. stands. One, one nation, nation under God, God,
0: indivisible, with liberty, liberty to justice for all. So with the Governor Baker's March 12, 2020 order, suspending certain provisions of the Open Meeting Law, Chapter 30, Section 18, and the Governor's March 15, 2020 order, imposing strict limitation on the number of people that may gather in one place. This meeting of the Method City Council will be, will be conducted via remote participation to the greatest extent possible. Specific information and general guidelines for remote participation by members of the public and indoor parties with a right or requirement to attend this meeting can be found on the City of Medford website at www.medford.org. For this meeting, members of the public who wish to listen or watch the meeting may do so by accessing the meeting link therein. In the event we were able to do so, despite best efforts, we will post on the City of Medford or Medford Community Media website an audio or video recording transcript or other comprehensive record of the proceedings as soon as possible after the meeting. Motions, orders, and resolutions 21364, offered by Vice President Knight, being so resolved that the Metro City Council extended its deep and sincere congratulations to Ben Ercolini on the momentous occasion of his retirement after 43 years of dedicated service as an electrician with Filene's and Macy's department stores. Vice President Knight. Uh, Mr. President, thank you very much. Uh, this resolution was filed at the
3: request of a former colleague, uh, Councilor Camuso, um, who's maintained a very long, uh, French, long-lasting long friendship with Mr. Riccalini. And uh, Paul and I were on the phone just the other day and uh, we were catching up and uh, he explained to me that Mr. Riccolini had just retired after 43 long years working at um, Filene's and Macy's as an electrician, um, I know Mr. Riccolini. I had the uh, pleasure and opportunity to go to high school with his son David. We played on the same basketball team together. And um, it's great to see somebody, Mr. President, who's dedicated so much time uh, to one company and uh, has been able to reach their golden years of retirement after 43 years. So, uh, with that being said,
0: I'd ask my council colleagues to support me in uh, off resolution. Thank you. On the motion by Vice President Knight, seconded by Council Scott Bailey, Mr. Clerk, please call the roll.
1: Councilor Bears? Yes. Councilor Falco? Yes. Vice President Knight? Yes. Councilor Marks? Yes. Councilor morrell Yes. Councilor Scarpelli? Yes. President Carabiola? Yes. seven the affirmative,
0: motion passes. 21365, offered by Vice President Knight. Be it so resolved that the member city council requests the city administration provide an update relative to the status of contract negotiations with the Building and Recreation Department staff. Vice President Knight. Uh, Mr. President, thank you very
3: much. I do feel as though this resolution is somewhat self-explanatory. Ultimately, the uh, Building Department and Recreation Department had to do contract negotiations with the administration um, what appears to be over a year ago now at this point. Um, It's my understanding that the contract negotiations had stalled for some period of time, and I'd like to ask for an update as to the status of the ongoing negotiations,
0: Mr. President. Thank you. On uh, the motion by Vice President Knight. Second aye. Second. Second by Councillor
1: Falco. Mr. Clerk, please call the roll. Councillor Bears. Yes. Council Falco. Yes. Vice President Knight. Yes. Councilor Marks. Yes. Councilor Morrell. Yes. Council Scarpelli? Yes. President Carabiello. Yes. Send me the
0: affirmative motion passes. Two, one, three, six, six. I'd Vice President Knight. Being so resolved that the Memphis City Council extended steep and sincere condolences to the family of Lisa Menunos on a recent passing. Vice President Knight.
3: Uh, Mr. President, thank you very much. Uh, uh, Mr. President, thank you very much. Yes, um, Ms. Menunos grew uh, lived off of um, off of the Fellsway over in um, that Street. section of the city, Mr. President. I believe in Councilor Scott Pelly's old neck of the woods, yes. And um, she's the mother of Maria Menounos, Um of local celebrity uh, from entertainment news and the like, Mr. President, a classmate of mine from high school. And um, she recently lost her mother after a very public battle with brain cancer. And um, we all know uh, what a great job the Menounos has done in being uh, contributors to the city of Medford. So with that being said, I'd like to offer a uh, deep con- uh, deepest condolences to the Menounos family and their
4: time to uh Thank you, Mr. President. Uh, thank for Council Knight to bring this forward. I know that uh, the menunos family, strong family, Medford, I coach Maria, uh, my time as a basketball coach in Medford High as in, um, and her brother, Peter, grew up on our street, on Paris Street. Uh, very hardworking uh, parents and really good people. And I know Maria's values of family came from her parents. And I know when she she hit it big and she brought her mom and dad with her every step of the way, and I know this has been a, a public battle of this uh, sick disease and cancer and cancer uh, and we reach out to them and send a deep, deep condolences to the family and sending our prayers. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Um, uh, the motion by Vice President Knight, seconded by Councillor Scarpelli. Mr.
1: Clerk, call the roll. Councillor Bears. Yes. Councillor Falco. Yes. Vice President Knight. Yes. Councillor Marks. Yes. Councillor Morel. Yes. Councillor Scarpelli. Yes. President
5: Kerby.
0: Yes. Seven in the affirmative. The motion passes. Uh, two one three seven offered by Council Marks being Oh I'm sorry, yes. Please rise from one percent. 21367, offered by Councilor Marks, be it resolved that the long term plan to address the condition of the roads are, on of, of the, of the long term condition to to plan to address the condition of our roads be discussed. Councilor Marks.
6: Uh, th- thank you, Mr. President. Um, and I put this on the agenda tonight uh, because of the number of phone calls I've uh, taken and the number of emails I've received. Mr. President, over the last several months, this by no stretch uh, is a new issue in in this community. And I wanna thank my colleagues, uh, Vice President Knight, Councilor Scott Pelly, Councilor Falco, and President uh, Caviello uh, over the years, I know uh, have put resolutions on regarding uh, the poor condition of our roads and what capital plan uh, will we have to uh, assist us in uh, a a systematic approach to uh, repaving our roads. And to date, Mr. President, uh, I think it's clear to state that we have no systematic approach to repaving our roads. Um, The mayor recently put together a capital plan which does include paving our roads, uh, but that's the last I heard about it. I haven't heard anything else, Mr. President. And over the years, there's been a lot of talk, a lot of lip service, but no formalized plan to address the over 719 streets in this community, which are broken down by three, uh, 500. I'm sorry, 450 uh, city streets and 269 private ways uh, in our community. So uh, we have over 719 streets, and currently, right now, Mr. President. Uh, what we put into the actual city budget to repave streets, not to fix potholes, to repave streets is a big fat goose egg. That's what we put in our city budget every year to repave streets. We do rely on chapter 90 funding, which uh, on a given year we get roughly about $980,000. I can tell you firsthand, Mr. President, over the past four and a half years, we repaved nine streets out of 719 in this community. Those were full streets that were paved and we partially paved another 21 streets. So even at best, if we said there were 30 streets done, Mr. President, in the last five years, and if you look at it, the life expectancy of a road and depending on the maintenance and how you keep up, depending on the traffic, depending on if you allow heavy uh, trucking on streets, uh, the life expectancy of a street can vary. But typically you're looking at uh, a little over 20 years. Um, So if you look at doing 30 streets every five years, after, uh, after 20 years, you'll have paved 120 streets. Which is, a, which is 28% of the 450 streets. And that doesn't include private ways. So if you take that into consideration, Mr. President, we are never gonna get ahead of this. We'll always be repaving and never have an approach where someday we can be proud and say, look at our roads. They're in beautiful, pristine condition. But we have no such plan, Mr. President of addressing this Um, and that doesn't even count the 269 private ways, which is about 40% of all the streets we have in this community. So I I offer this tonight, Mr. President, because uh, I I think when you look at a community and uh, you you look at the livability, you look at how vibrant a community is, you look at how well it's taken care of, you look at how city government operates, I think it says a lot about a community when you see streets that are torn up. Uh, there was a street in, uh, right next to me, Bradbury. They just did a gas line, Mr. President, and we see this all too often. They dug uh, you know, maybe a four or five foot trench two feet wide and it goes up the entire length of the street. And I asked whether or not they're going to do curb to curb and I was told, oh, absolutely not. That wasn't part of... Uh, the recommendations and what they are going to do Mr. President is just refill that trench so if you had a driveway or a new driveway and you allowed someone to come in at no fault of your own and dig up your driveway you would expect to get your driveway repaved not a patch drop which after a few years if you're lucky starts to sink and then there's mix match and it doesn't you know it creates uh, craters and potholes and, and, and a lot of other concerns, Mr. President. So I ask that uh, we find out from the administration, uh, even though we did get a, a, a correspondence regarding this capital plan, if we can get an in-depth report on what's going to be done with the roads, Mr. President. Also, uh, today there was an announcement that uh, there is $37.4 million dollars that's gonna be coming to the city of Medford, uh from the federal government. I, I realize they're still ironing out and hashing out uh, what it can be spent on over how many years and so forth. But uh, we have to find out before we do any budgeting, uh, if that money can be spent on capital needs, which I believe it can, Mr. President. And I would prefer it be spent on capital needs, one time cost in the community. Um, and uh, our roads should be at the top of the list. So I would ask Mr. President that in the form of a motion that we uh, find out uh, more in depth about the mayor's capital plan for the refurbishing of our roads. I would ask that the 37.4 million, I believe that came out today, uh, if that could be used to fund new roads in the community, uh, infrastructure improvements. And I would ask Mr. President that Uh, we come up with uh, a systematic approach to addressing our roads that will one day have us see all our roads done over a period of time and not just 15 to 20 and then 15 to 20. And by the time you get to that second 15 to 20, the first 15 to 20 you go back to because it's 20 years. um, So it makes no sense, Mr. President. And I'd put that in the form of a motion. Thank you. you. Vice President Knight. Uh,
3: Mr. President thank you very much and thank you Councilor Mox for the presentation I think it's spot on. I had the opportunity to uh, review the mayor's capital plan and what I was able to uh, derive through my analysis was that uh, this capital plan calls for the resurfacing either partially or totally of about two streets a year for the next six years and the only investment being made is chapter 90 funds which is about $900,000 annually, Mr. President. In a community of this size, in the condition of the roads that we have, that investment is not enough. It needs to be reprioritized. This capital plan needs to be reprioritized. For the last 12 months or so, we've been hearing about a pavement management plan. Now we had the Collins Center come in and put together this capital plan that the mayor is using for FY 21 through 26, touting it as the first ever capital plan that's ever been implemented in the city of Medford. Um, apparently, she doesn't remember, shot the course uh, that the McGlynn administration had put forward. Uh, perhaps she doesn't remember the countless documents that the Burke administration had provided us that looked very similar to this capital plan that came out from the Collins center that the outside contractor uh, pres- provided to us. Uh, so with that being said, Mr. President, I thank Council Marks for bringing this forward and I do feel as though the investment needs to be more than what it is right now. Two streets a year for the next six years? The roadways and the condition they're in right now are not gonna be able to sustain. The next six years without a far more significant investment uh, so with that being said i second the council's motion
0: uh council falco thank you <clears throat>
2: excuse me thank you mr president uh and i want to thank council mox for bringing this forward and council uh, vice president knight for his comments as well and uh both councilors are right uh, there needs to be a specific long-term plan for how we're going to repave roads throughout our community i mean each one of us I'm sure year after year has received countless calls with regards to potholes uh just streets being ripped up after the winter from plowing and you know you can only patch so long before you need to uh, resurface an entire street two streets uh two streets a year is completely it's just wrong it doesn't make any sense you'll never get to a point where you're going to have new streets throughout most of the community i mean two two streets a year you're lucky to you get a neighborhood done uh, in 10 years so uh, we need to do better in that area the capital plan uh, uh, vice president knight is correct the capital plan uh, it does not there's really there's no, not too much to address this and it needs to be addressed i mean in many ways these are quality of life issues when people are in their neighborhoods and they're driving and they have potholes all over the place it's just not right the administration needs to do a better job there needs to be a long-term plan and if i may uh, uh council marks if you mind if i would amend the uh, resolution to find out exactly what streets were paved over the past two years and if we can find out get an itemized uh, uh list of uh, how the chapter 90 funding was spent in the past year thank
0: Thanks. you mr president and if i could say something uh for the last two years in a row myself and counselor uh, falco have offered a resolution for a pilot program for to bring a company in that uh that uh comes to the, the mma show every year and they would uh grind and repave the streets at probably ha- half the cost of what it does to do one and we've asked for a pilot to try a half a dozen streets to see how how it works and uh and that went nowhere and i'd have, i'd have, i'd ask uh, if we could offer that if councilor falco we'll off that uh motioning uh, amendment also to, to for that pilot program to be brought back again i don't know if, i think we did offer it earlier in the year i don't remember
2: yeah correct uh, if I, uh, president caviello if i may add an amendment to Uh, get an update from the dpw uh, as to if the uh, pilot program for resurfacing streets with recycled asphalt will be put in the budget in the upcoming budget thank you and and if i may if i may continue on that a resolution was offered by you and myself i think it was back in february february this year I think it was yes And, and what they basically do is they take the asphalt right there and they they grind the street down and it goes into a truck and, and actually put new asphalt down. And it's, you are correct, it's half the cost. Yeah. And, and even if they had just a pilot program, to just try a few streets, That's right. it's better than nothing. And there's some streets that are, real, are in dire need of repair and this needs to be addressed
0: Thank now you. more than ever. Thank you. Uh, Councilor Moreau.
7: Thank you, Mr. President. Yeah, I want to thank Councillor Marks for bringing this up. I I think we all often hear about residents, you know, about potholes, but but many of them do want to know what is the long term plan. They understand that you know a one time fix is <laughs> lasts only so long. So um, I, I thank Councillor Marks for bringing this up and the other councillors for their comments, and I also thank him for um, adding the part about the um you know the. American rescue plan money. We now have a dollar amount. And this is something I've asked for in multiple motions, trying to get an understanding of how the administration intends to use this money. I understand that we're still trying to find out or learning of how it can be used, but budget time is coming. And this is a huge amount of money that will really impact decisions um, from this council. And I, you know, this is something we really need to have. So thank you for bringing that up.
0: Thank you, on um, the, the motion by, uh, Council Marks as amended by
6: Council Marks and as amended. Mr. President. Council Marks. Uh, thank you, Mr. President. Just, just while we're on the subject, because it's, it's somewhat related. Uh, I'm not going to offer it tonight. But in addition to the street, Mr. President, all you have to do is take a walk around your neighborhood and see the hundreds of old tree stumps that are lined on our streets up and down. I'd venture to say there's thousands in this city. I've done a count just in my neighborhood alone, and there's literally 30 or 40 just on budding streets that and you can tell they've been cut down for years. This is not new stumps. These have been stumps that have been around for years. And this council has asked, Mr. President, about the stump list. And in the past, we've got, well, here's a list, and then we get a partial list, not a full list. And then we got uh, an indication a couple of years back that uh you know they went through 90% of the stumps where? Where? They're all around the community, Mr. President. So tree stumps, raised sidewalks, trip and fall hazards everywhere. Someone just sent me a photo of a woman that fell over the weekend in the square, busted her nose open wide, Mr. President, on a sidewalk that was slanted up. Um, But this exists everywhere, Mr. President, throughout this community. Roads is part of it, broken sidewalks, tree stumps, double poles, it's, it speaks volumes about a community and a community that cares. And, you know, you take a look around this community and, you know, I hate to say it, but it looks like no one cares really. Um, and we got to do a better job. Thank you, Mr. President. Thank you. Council Falco. Uh,
2: thank you. Thank you. Uh, President Cabello. And I'd like, like to thank Councilor Mox for bringing that forward as well. I know during this pandemic, I've been trying to do a lot of walking through various neighborhoods, uh, throughout our city. And uh, Councilor Marx is right. If you take a walk through the neighborhoods, no matter what neighborhood you go to, there are stumps everywhere and there are raised sidewalks everywhere. Trip hazards beyond belief. And they, they need to be addressed. They haven't been addressed. We have not been given any type of uh, a program that's going to address these issues. And uh, you know the, the residents deserve better. These are trip hazards, literally right in front of their house. And someone's gonna get hurt. And unfortunately it sounds like someone already did.
0: Thank, Thank you. you. Mr. President. Uh, Vice President, Knight, uh,
3: in building upon what Councilor Marks and Councilor Falco have said, I, 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 this isn't a, just a quality of life issue. This is more than a quality of life issue, Mr. President. This is a safety issue. It's a service delivery issue, but most importantly, it's a pride issue. I mean, do we wanna be known as the community when someone's driving into Medford from Winchester, they say, all right, get ready, here we come, enter in Medford. When they're coming from Arlington, entering Medford, driving down these terrible streets. I mean, that's not the image, Mr. President, that I think we wanna to portray to our neighboring communities. Um, we have people in this town that are spending outrageous, outrageous amounts of money to purchase homes. And how long do we think that the residents are gonna be able to put up with the lack of service delivery in in direct correlation to their tax bill and what they're paying Mr. President because right now it's significantly lacking the services that we offer are significantly lacking and we need to do better I'm seeing stumps in this community and uh, as Councilor marks said, they've been there so long they're getting taller I, I see stumps in the city that are five feet high now if you look at the intersection of Winter Street and Lawrence Road for example there was a dead tree in front of the house there the resident asked for the tree to be taken down. The tree never got down, Mr. President. Instead, the tree fell down on the resident's house. The resident gets the tree removed from his front yard. He calls the city to remove the stump. The city cuts the stump. The stump's five and a half feet high, and it's starting to grow leaves out of it now. It's been there so long. I mean, enough's enough, Mr. President. It's time that we stop putting the boots back on the
0: ground. We reopen City Hall, and we get back to work. Thank you. Good evening, name and address of the record, please.
8: Luis D'Antonio,
2: 41 Dartmouth Street, Medford, Mass. This is a suggestion and it may be off the wall, but why don't we ask our good neighbor Tufts University for a donation towards funding for streets. I mean, there are people that live along the backside of say, Brookings Street, and people are inconvenienced that you know they work on the roads a lot They inconvenience people and i think it would be a nice gesture if the city asked us to contribute to the improvement of the roads and the streets if not in the entire city at least perhaps in the area where they're located but i just thought it might be a way of bringing in some
9: extra money thank
0: Thank you Good evening, name and address to the record, please.
9: Good evening, Anita DeAntonio, 14 Yale Street, Medford. I just wanna say the sound system, I haven't been here for a long time.
0: Thank you for coming.
9: It's much improved. You can actually hear everything that's being said, so that's great. Um, I just wanted to uh, give you some perspective. There was a great guy who used to do a lot of videotaping in the city. I don't know his first name, He, he was Mr. Fiorello. He was a longtime resident of Medford. He at one time in the 1990s, I believe it was, came up to the podium more than once talking about the roads in Medford. And he said, if you took a glass of milk with you and you drove down High Street, by the time you got to the end of it, you'd have a milkshake. Well, now we have a milkshake. Winthrop, Main Street, High Street, so I would hope by the year 2021 now, maybe in his memory, we'll, get, uh, we'll, we'll drive down the street with a glass of milk and end up with a glass of milk when we traverse it. But it's just so long ago, and this has been a, a, a problem chronically since, gee, probably before the 1990s, but it's certainly, there's not been much improvement. So that's what I wanna say. Thank, Thank
4: you. you.
0: Hey, on the motion by uh, Council Marks as amended by Council Marks and been amended by Council Falco once and amended by Council Falco a second time. Mr. President, second,
6: uh, just no, if I'll we could. Councilor uh, thank you, Mr. President. While we're on the tree stump subject, uh, I'd like to put a motion forward that uh, the city administration do uh, a thorough walkthrough of the city and give us an exact count of the number of tree stumps, Mr. President, because I I don't think they have an understanding on how many are out there. And then we can address it in this year's budget because it's actually gonna be a budget of mine. Councilor Knight's absolutely right. You had uh, people in this community that paying a very high tax, Mr. President, and not receiving the city service. You wanna make that a B paper? Yes, i like to make it a B paper. And and when you can use uh, these particular stumps in double poles as a reference, when you tell someone take a left at the double pole and then take a right at the, tre- the tree stump that's a- that's been there a hundred years, you-, you know they've been around a long time. Thank you. So I-, I think, Mr. President, we have to get a handle on the number and address it in this year's budget. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, on the on the original paper offered by Councilor Marks, second. And- uh paper
0: first? Uh, well, we've already started the procedure on this one. Okay. Uh, on the on the paper, the original motion offered by Councilor Marks, uh, second and by. Seconded by Council Scarpelli. Mr. Clerk,
1: please call the roll. As amended. Council Bears. Yes. Council Falco. Yes. Vice President Knight. Yes. Council Marks, Yes. Council Morrell. Yes. Council Scarpelli. Yes. Council Scarpelli. yes. President Caravillero. Yes.
0: Second affirmative the motion passes. On the B paper, uh, offered by Council Marks, uh, seconded by Second by Council Scarpelli. Mr. Clerk, please call the roll. Council Bears.
1: Yes. Council Falco. Yes. Vice President Knight. Yes. Councilor Marks. Yes. Councilor Morrell. Yes. Councilor Scarpelli.
0: Yes. President Caraviello. Yes. Send me the affirmative of motion. Passes. 21368, offered by Councilor Marks. Be a result of the Memphis City Council recognize Harold McGilvery Jr. for receiving the recognition and honor of having his name placed on the wall at the National Law
6: Enforcement Memorial in Washington, D.C. Councilor Marks. Uh, thank you, Mr. President. Um, May 9th, through May 15th is National Police Week. Uh, I offer this resolution tonight to honor one of Method's very own and Meffitt's very finest. Uh, On May 13th, 2021, uh, Harold McGillery Jr.'s name will be placed on the National Law Enforcement Memorial in Washington, D.C., along with another 22,611 heroes. The memorial was established to tell the story of American law enforcement and to honor the fallen who protect and serve, Mr. President. Harold F. McGilvery Jr. was appointed to the Medford Police Department on <coughs> May 31, 1964, and served with distinction until his later appointment to the Metropolitan District Commission Police Department on December 1st, 1967 and it was signed to the Old Colony District in South Boston. Harold McGilvery, during a routine traffic stop on the Southeast Expressway on November 13, 1978, at approximately 1.40 a.m., was struck by a vehicle at a high rate of speed and was rushed to the University Hospital, where a team of four doctors began a 13 13- in a half, uh, 13 and a half-hour life-saving operation, post-surgery, Patrolman McGilvery spent 13 days in the intensive care unit before being placed on the cardiac floor for the next four months. Officer McGilvery would spend the next several years in and out of the hospital, undergoing additional procedures as a result of his injuries <clears throat> sustained during the traffic stop. Patrolman McGilvery eventually made it back to his beloved job at the DC police and was forced to retire on December 31st, 1984 due to injuries sustained in the line of duty. Patrolman Harold McGilvery Jr. served the residents of Mefford and the Commonwealth with honor and distinction for over 20 years Mr. President, we owe Harold McGivory Jr. a debt of gratitude for his service, not only to the citizens of Method, but to the residents of the Commonwealth. Anyone that knew Harold knew he was a man of integrity, a man of faith, a man who loved his family, and a man who took his job very seriously. If you were in need, Harold McGilvery Jr. would be the first at your doorstep, Mr. President. That was the type of person he was. We have his brave son now serving in the Method Police Department and is our dog officer and does a tremendous job. Harold McGilvery Jr., he didn't need a dog. He was the bulldog. Anyone that knew him, he was tough as nails, but he had a heart of gold, Mr. President. He'd be the first to step forward and help. And this is a huge honor to have his name uh, placed on the monument in Washington, D.C. with 22,611 other heroes that protect every day the citizens of Method, put their life on the line to do their job. And as I stated last week, for one of our state police officers that retired after three decades, Mr. President. I say the same about Harold McGilvery Jr., a man that was dedicated, a man that uh, cared about his community more than anything else and someone that should be recognized. And I ask that this meeting, Mr. President, be named in honor of Harold McGilvery Jr., for his commitment to this community and the residents of the commonwealth and i want to show our appreciation for uh, having his name placed on the national law enforcement memorial in washington dc which is going to happen on the 13th which is this thursday thank you mr president thank you uh and uh,
0: council box said we'd be remiss if we didn't mention that his two sons uh both harold and paul Uh, both fine officers uh, in our uh, police department
10: who uh, follow in the footsteps of their their dad. That is
6: correct. Thank you, Mr. President.
10: Good evening. Name and address of the record, please. Excuse me. My name is Anthony D'Antonio, 24 Hicks Avenue. Um, It's such an honor to see an honor bestowed on this gentleman, Harold McGilbert Jr. I met Harold when I was eight years old, and he was a teenager, and he was going out with this future wife over on Marion Street, Main Street, the four houses that connected in the back all together. We all used to play there. We used to torture Harry. He was older, you know, and you know, back then when kids tortured the older kids, they give you, you know, they smack you around a little bit. It was a lot of fun. But I got to tell you something about Harry. One of the toughest guys I ever met, okay. He wasn't supposed to survive that accident. When Harry walked down the street, if he was coming from Tufts Park after banging in a box. Okay, you could tell it was Harry. You know why the street lamps used to shine off the spit on his shoes? They used to, it was incredible. He was like a parade dress all the time. When Harry was in the neighborhood, and he was on patrol that night. You don't have to worry about anything, you could leave your doors unlocked. He didn't need a patrol car to get to the scene, he'd run to the scene. He was incredible. He was just one of those people. And we got into many conversations and he had some conversations up here and a couple of times they got heated but then when he was proven that his point was not the correct point harry would come up and he'd apologize and say i'm sorry this is the information i had so i just I can remember the day that he got hit i remember the day when he first came down the streets and he pretty much put up all of us on notice but uh, the McGilvery family has a long long history in the, city of South, in the city of Medford in South Medford. And if you didn't know him at Gilbury, you didn't come from Medford. So God bless him. Bye-bye. Thank you. Good evening. Name and address to the record, please. Robert
11: Penta, Zero Summit Road, Medford, Mass., former member of the Sligos Party. My recollection of Harold um, goes back to the many times, not only him being a police officer, but the many times he stayed involved in his community. He used to come to these council meetings on numerous occasions. And if he had an opinion to make, he would make it. And he would tell you right to your face what he thought of you. It's the same way he acted when he was a police officer. If you made an infraction of the law, you were guilty of doing it. And then if he wanted to give you a break, that would be a separate story. But the interesting part about Harold is I think he represents what a lot of people try to do to a police officer today. They try to make them look like a bad person. They're not out there for the community. That would be, that's the worst message you can send out there right now. Harold McGillivray was a policeman's policeman, and he represents every single man that puts that uniform on every day, puts that gun, puts that badge, and goes out there to defend the people of the community that they're in, whether it's city, county, state, or whatever it might be. I would hope that the people of Medford not only appreciate the fact that Harold McGilvery in the family and his two sons, who are also police officers in the city, are going to have their father's name be put on a plaque that represents what law enforcement is in this country. They are there helping defend the people. And that's what it should be about. Not to debunk them, but to defend them. And it's a shame that anyone tries to do anything to take away from the integrity of what a police officer is, and to Mr. Harold McGilvery, I thank him very much because I enjoyed him, and he was a good supporter of mine. And because of that, I support
0: him as well. Thank you, thank you, Respect. Again, um, I want to. Thank you. I've known the McGilvery family both as a friend and you know, as a friend of the family. And believe it or not, I was I was a paper boy as a young child. And uh, Harold and his brothers uh, were both, uh, you know, a good good family, uh, good uh, community members, uh, always volunteering. And again, um, uh, this is a uh, thank you, Council Marks, for putting this on. And um, Mr. President, Vice President Knight, um, I think we'd be remiss in not pointing out
3: uh, the role that Mr. McGilvery had in professionalizing policing across America through his involvement in organized labor. Um, Mr. McGilvery was a champion. Um, on behalf of his colleagues uh police police officers across america across massachusetts um, in fighting for collective bargaining rights and lobbying up at the state house of benefits for police officers in the line of duty uh which he was one mr president and uh if we think about you know the nature of the injury, injuries that mr McGilvery uh sustained and how long he suffered uh, many would say that he'd still be with us today if it weren't for that fateful night and that accident that occurred um so with that being said this is a very prestigious honor and i want to uh Join Councilor Marks in extending uh, my, condo- my, uh, my congratulations to the family uh, for their hard work and perseverance in making sure that Mr. McGilvery's name is, in fact, included in the law
0: enforcement memorial down in Washington D.C. Uh, so with thank that being you. said, uh, thank you very much, Councilor Marks, for putting this uh, The motion by Councilor Marks, seconded by seconded by Councilor Falco. Mr. Clerk, please call the roll.
1: Councilor Bears. Yes. Councillor Falco. Yes. Vice President Knight. Yes. Councillor Marks.
6: Yes.
1: Councillor Morell. Yes. Councillor Scarpelli. Yes. President
0: Carabiola. Yes. Seven affirmative motion passes. Before we do communications from the mayor, um, I think Marianne was on the call. Uh, she was going to give us a, just a, a brief synopsis on, on the on the COVID update. Marianne, are you still there? Yeah, oh, there you are. Hi, Marianne. Well, Mary Ann, can you give us a brief uh, update of what's happening in the community uh, with the COVID?
12: Sure. Good evening, everyone. Good evening, Mr. President of the City Council. Um, so great news, or good news anyways. Um, last two weeks, we've had case counts in the single digits, uh, which is wonderful. We haven't had that probably since um, October. So we're very excited about that. Uh, since May 1st, we've had 38 cases reported. Um, But again, 20 of those cases are ages uh, 29 and less. So we really want to focus on that population. We really want to make sure that they get vaccinated. Uh, You've heard that the FDA has approved going forward now the Pfizer vaccine for 12 um, plus. Um, So we are very hopeful that we'll be able to do a vaccination clinic next, next week. Um, at the Andrews Middle School for 16, uh, 12 plus, um, which will be which will be great um, because those are the kids. And now we're entering the sports season. Um, this week they did loosen a lot of the guidelines around sports, so it's a little concerning. But if you know, if we can get vaccines out there and um, people still adhere you know, they, they loosened up the guidelines around sports as far as face rings are concerned. But again, it's only if you can maintain that six feet, uh, social distancing. So they're saying, you know, baseball, softball. So that's little league that everyone's really excited about. But again, if you can't maintain six feet social distancing, you really still should be wearing a mask. Um, Last week, we did offer a clinic at the high school for the 16 plus for the Pfizer. Uh, We didn't get a lot of takers, which was a little bit disappointing. I'm hoping that maybe that means a lot of our 16 plus have already been vaccinated, but they will certainly be welcome next week at the Andrews on Tuesday is what we're planning as long as the uh, CDC signs off on the FDA approval. I'm hoping that Tuesday at the Andrews, we will be doing this clinic for 12 plus. Um, we're also planning on a clinic on 522 at the West Bedford Community Center. The Bangladesh community had reached out to us, which was amazing. And um, we're hoping to offer a clinic at the um, West Bedford Community Center on 522 as well, uh, another clinic on 528 uh, focusing on the Haitian um, Creole community with thanks to uh, Pastor Pierre, who is helping us organize that. Um, we were planning on having a, what I guess people would call a town hall, but we're, what we're going to be calling a real talk series about the vaccine and uh, its effectiveness and the concerns people might have um we were going to host that on the 19th we're going to move that to the 26th uh cambridge health alliance in the city of cambridge is actually hosting the haitian creole specific uh uh town hall on the 19th so we didn't want to interfere with that and there should be a lot of good information but as as well on the 26th will be a kickoff to a series of real talk conversations we'll be having and targeting uh specific communities around the concerns, hesitancy, uh, if any, around, around getting the vaccine. Um, we'll be finishing off our 250 homebound um, vaccines this week, um, which is really excited about. And again, like the, there has been a lot of changes um, as of 5.10 and more to come as of 5.29. Uh, so sector-specific specific changes uh for restaurants and retail and so any of those businesses if they have concerns um they can call us certainly but a lot of those updates are already on the mass.gov um website uh but like around sports tournaments are now allowed a lot of things that i've said no to don't yes so forget everything i said um the tournaments are now allowed. The face covering again is a little bit more relaxed, but again, you must be six feet able to six feet um, social distance. Road races are now allowed. Spectators are now allowed for the 20 plus um, adult you know sports, which had been not allowed at all uh, previously. So, a lot of changes this week, and a lot more to come on May 29th. Um, and again, if people have any questions, they can certainly reach out to us. But a lot of those guidance uh, documents have been updated already on the mass.gov website. Um, and I think that's what I have for now. Thank you.
0: Councilor.
2: Thank you, Mr. President. Miriam, thank you very much uh, to you and to your uh, staff for all your hard work. Uh, with regard to the um, 12 plus vaccine, do we,
12: so it's, I believe you said next Tuesday? We're hoping, we're, we have to wait and they, the FDA has approved, but the CDC has not signed off yet, um, but that's expected to come by Friday with more guidance to follow. So yes, Tuesday would be the date if we're all good to go.
2: And is that, would that be in the afternoon or at night or do, do we have the particulars?
12: Yeah, so it's going to be the Andrews Middle School um, 230 to 6 is what we're planning right now. We have uh, just about 246 doses, I want to say, of Pfizer, which is the vaccine that's been approved. So we, it's limited. We only have the 246, uh, but we, we really want to use those 246 and, and get get these it,
2: it how he, uh Thank you. And how are the how are the kids being notified? Is there uh, a robocall going out or reverse nine
12: one one? So right now the schools are doing notification. I believe it. The first one might actually be going out this evening uh, via website, and then we will be doing. If not tonight, they will be doing the reverse call. But this is not just restricted to the medical schools, right? This is anybody twelve plus private schools. Or school, whatever, are, are allowed are invited. Anybody twelve plus is invited to come to this clinic. Again, with the with the approval from CBC going forward, that we have it by Tuesday.
2: Okay, thank you. And as far as the um, you talked about the real talk series, that's did you say that's May twenty sixth?
12: May 26 is our date. Now we have two great speakers. We want to make sure that they're able to, we have them booked for the May 10, May 19th date. We want to make sure they make the May 16th date. Two wonderful speakers, one from the Cambridge Health Alliance, who's the actual director of the infection, Infectious Disease uh, Department, and one from the Wells Wakefield Hospital, um, as well as our own board of health members. Um, so yeah that it's going to be, we were hoping to do a webinar. It looks like it's more going to be now end up in a Zoom format, um, but yeah, that would have come on that. That should be going out as well as far as a uh, promotion tomorrow on that, but that's May 26th. That'll be in the evening at 6 p.m. Um, And the Zoom link to follow. That's we'll just at- the first, yep. Sorry, Sorry. I was just going to say, um, with regard to the
2: home bond program, so you said uh, you're almost, I believe you're almost complete with that. And what type of vaccine was given up for that? I knew—I believe at first you said uh, maybe a few weeks ago, Johnson and Johnson, but that may have stopped, right?
12: Yeah, uh, so what we're doing this week is basically finishing off the, this will be the second dose for everyone. So we had done Moderna. Um, so the 250 will be finishing off the second dose of Moderna. We had gotten 100 plus doses of J&J of the Johnson Johnson um, basically the day before they shut us off. Um, so we still have the J&J. If people are interested, we have done a few of them. Um, some people are hesitant. We're willing to work with them and talk through it. Again, you know, it's, it's really, it's still a very low risk Um, But the risk is the women ages 18 to 55. Um, But we are certainly happy to talk through that. But again, that's a very low risk. As far as homebound elders and males, the risk is even lower, way lower. So we do have that um, vaccine available if people are interested and they still need homebound vaccines. They certainly can still call us because we do have doses available. Thank you. And last but not
2: least, uh, when we talked previously, you had mentioned the uh, uh, the members of the community that are uh, hes- hesitant to the vaccine. And I believe the state was uh, possibly going to come in and help out with the program where they would almost go door to door. Is that still happening or is that going to happen?
12: Yeah, we're still working on that with the mass um, ambassadors. That's how kind of how this Real Talk series came about. And uh, we're looking to fly a door to door. Like I said, we're working with a lot of... Um, a lot of the faith communities and figuring out the best way to, to reach out to folks. Um, they, you know, you got to look at almost, it's almost like a political campaign, right? We're talking about um, going out there and doing door knocks and dropping flyers and talking to people and really um, getting their questions and concerns and trying to figure out how we can best, you know, um, address those. So we are still reaching out with the mass ambassadors, and um that's still underway. But that's kind of how the real series uh talked off. Um not wanting to call it a town hall, because it kind of has that government um tone to it. So uh which is, is part of the hesitancy. We've had folks that don't want to give us their address, you know, don't have insurance, and, and that's all good. That's fine. We don't need insurance, you know, we don't need an address, just get vaccinated. So um, that's
4: what the message we're trying to get out. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you, Mr. President. Uh, to follow along with that, before I get to my questions, I know that Council Falco, thanks for bringing those up. But have we done? A, have we thought about doing a public press release, like you know, with throughout the community, so people feel comfortable that the people that that their neighbors that they trust, like uh, you know, come to this council, and say, uh, Council Scott Pelly, I had the Pfizer, I feel great. I feel safe. I'm doing my part. Uh, the mayor's office, uh, you know, the, the school committee, the, the, the coaches, the teachers, you know, have we done anything that sort of creative and using a valuable asset, which is, uh, a communications director. It's very talented and, um, probably the best public access director and Pat Gordon. Uh, I think that, you know, putting all that together, that could be something that could really move mountains and um putting in that on the loop i think that this is something that's uh that we can use so maybe if you could share that marion with with the mayor and maybe that'd be something that we can push
12: yeah no you're you're right on exactly and and we've done that um and hopefully oh. it'll be out soon it's just final touches being put on it but we have yeah. a video that we put together with just, just exactly what you laid out uh, with trusted individuals from throughout the community, giving their experience, showing that, you know, the folks that have gotten the vaccine and, and what it's meant and how they're doing. So that uh, PSA, I guess is what you call it, um, will be going out. It's a video. Uh, Sophie in my office, Sophie Antoine, uh, worked mm-hmm. really hard on that and uh, reached out to a lot of great people in the community and a lot of people responded so uh, it's it's a great little video and that will be coming
4: out very soon okay so I, I to follow along with that it's my other question I appreciate you know the the openness now to get this the process rolling great to hear there were zero deaths today first time in June the numbers are dropping um, but still the responsibility of face coverings and vaccines you look at this chambers today we have Uh, invested community members that are here to share their opinions or their input and something they would like to share. I think that what I'm hearing from our constituents is maybe looking at the other bodies that aren't going, uh, that aren't opening up uh, a a live audience so they can be heard in, in, in an open forum. Um, Is that something that, 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 the board of health is working with, let's say the school committee, other, other boards and commissions that, we believe me, we understand and not belittling the fact that this is still um, uh, a pandemic, but we're on the back end. And I think that follows along with people that are feeling um, that are a little hesitant that when they see their elected officials in person, vaccinated, that they're showing them with a the good example that we're moving forward. And um, this was a horrible time. But I think that, is that something that's being discussed with the uh, mayor's office as well as opening city hall for, for um, the business that needs to be done in the city, Marianne,
12: So we have to go by state guidance. That's what we're under, right? So right now, only town halls and, and city council and those types of meetings, uh, you have a special, uh, your own guidance that you're allowed to operate the way you are. Um, none of those other... Uh, board sessions have been allowed, and that's again state guidance. We're still at fifty percent office space capacity, is still fifty percent, and that's what City Hall has to operate under. So we are—we have not gone beyond state guidance. Uh, we are going with state guidance, and yeah. um, you know
4: that's where we're at. No, I appreciate it. Just, it just, it listen. It, you know the concerns that I've been—I you know, heard the you know the great news. We can now put. 50% of the people are at amusement parks and we can now have everybody go to baseball games, but the office, these public meetings are still closed off for our community members. These are things that they're asking me. So I appreciate you, you, you pointing out that this is a state guidelines. So this is something they really need to get to Governor, uh, Governor Baker and, and move that along. It's, it, cause it, it's coming to me and you know they, they, they appreciate the work that we've done on the city council. By opening these chambers, so I think that I've gotten maybe 10 phone calls in the last week and a half with some concerns that they've had in other boards and commissions and committees that they really want uh, a form that they can see in person. So that, at least the answer comes from our director of health, and I appreciate that. Uh, the, the last question I have is I know a few weeks back we hired uh, the COVID director of emergency operations. I truly don't know the actual title, uh, but what, what is exactly that person doing? Is there any updates on what that person is doing?
12: Um, you'll have to refer the, the communications.
4: Um, no, I, I believe we hired somebody in the field to oversee the COVID response.
12: Brooke, Brooke has been working since, gosh, no, um, it wasn't recently, but yes, she has been, she transitioned over. Um, she had been being paid with CARES Act and I'm actually asking to add to the budget this year that position because it was really recognized, like solely uh, recognized that this was a, a, a position we were lacking within the community when this hit. Um, so Brooke, who had already been like an emergency preparedness person, and an MRC person, long before I even came here under a grant. Um, luckily, she was still here on a different grant. Um, but we were able to transition her and she's been amazing she's been the volunteer coordinator person uh the, the mrc person we've been able to pay her so far under the cares act but i am certainly looking to add that position going forward in this fiscal um this next fiscal year as a position because it was incredibly obvious that that's what we were lacking um when this well, said
4: so, i appreciate their clarification as well so thank you constable
2: Thank you, Mr. President. Marianne, I, I have one last question. I forgot, I forgot to ask. So I know we're doing outreach outreach to our public school families. What about our uh, Catholic school or parochial schools, St. Ray, St. Joe's? Are we reaching out to those parents, uh, those populations, to make sure that they know that absolutely
12: to- for Tuesday, you know. absolutely. Yep. Yeah. We want to make that clear. You know, if you don't, even if you don't go to St. Ray's or St. Joe's, if you go to, you know, uh, whatever school, wherever, um, if you live in Medford. Um, if you don't, and we just want to get vaccines. We want to get shots and um. So any 12-year-old plus, uh, if you're willing, to, if we can pull this off on Tuesday, which I'm, I'm uh, almost 100% sure that we'll get CDC approval by this weekend um, with guidelines, um, we'll be able to put this in place on Tuesday. So, yeah, please, anybody, everybody. Um, like Again, like I said, like the majority of our cases are under 29 years old um so and 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 you know unfortunately there are 20 year olds on vents right now in hospitals so you know you get 20 year olds and young, younger are not invincible as 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 i know my kids think they are um so we need to we need to get vaccines we need to get shots in their arms
2: so is the but is the outreach being done from your office to st ray's and st joe's to those schools is that is yes. that
12: That'll come from my office. The outreach to the method public schools will go from Metford public schools, but the outreach, the other, um, and the general, the community at large will, will come from my office. We're just waiting, we don't, we're just waiting for the CDC to sign off. So, so I, just, I just wanna, so as far as, so is it a robocall to everyone in the
2: community? Is I guess it is, the, is someone directly calling those schools saying these shots are available.
12: That That's my question. Yeah. We have relationships with those schools, certainly since okay. the pandemic. Um, so, um, you want to make it's, sure. Thank you. All right, Vice uh,
3: President uh, Nice. Um, so, from what I'm gathering, Brooke Hoyt has been appointed the COVID communication specialist.
12: No, she's our emergency preparedness person. She's our volunteer coordinator. The community. Uh, the communication specialist is,
3: is a different position. Okay, can we talk a little bit about so that? So I position? wasn't
12: sure which one you, that he was, I don't think he was talking about the communication
3: specialist. George, um, maybe I, you can clarify, I don't know if you were talking about the communications person or if you were talking about the emergency. I knew the, the emergency
4: it, that's what the confusion was. I, I, I know that this is something that we hired just recently, this position that we just hired recently to deal with the COVID emergency plan. So I um, it was a, I believe it was a Mia's appointment. I, it was that might be the
12: communication specialist. Uh, yeah, Myrtle or something, Which, That's the name. Myrtle. which Myrtle. is Steve Spurdy.
3: Um, is that? I don't, know. I don't know. You tell us, Miriam. I think um, what we're trying to find out is who the COVID communication specialist is that we just approved a position for a couple of weeks ago. Has that position been filled? Who's in it? That's,
12: yeah. That's that would be Steve, and he's been instrumental in in okay. helping us get a lot of the communications out. Yes, um, he's been hired as the CoVID communication specialist within the last couple of weeks, and um, thank God he was <laughs> but okay, yes. so,
4: so what what so what I'm asking is I, I don't I'm confused because you just said someone else's name that was a communication She's, person the So Steve's Steve's the person. Marion,
12: yes. So the the, uh, you had said the emergency preparedness person. So that would be Brooke. But Steve is the communications COVID communications specific um, was hired a a few weeks ago um, to come on board. Can you can you? you I, I I didn't hire Steve. So okay. So
4: does he work under you? Or do you work with him? We d- send
12: Jackie. Jackie's amazingly talented and creative, but she cannot certainly handle all the communications, including the COVID stuff. So they hired Steve on to assist her, I believe with, you know, and he's certainly part of our team right now as, as far as helping us get all these um, messages out. Um, but he works, he does not report to me. He reports to our communications director, Jackie. Okay. Thank
4: you. So I, I, that's what I was trying to get at. I know that we, we, Approved the position for this COVID position that I truly, truly forgot. But uh, and I looked through my notes, and I, I so that the question is probably better off for Jackie because just to get an update of what you know if he's if he's doing communications for COVID, um, there's some questions. So that I'll direct that to Jackie in an email. Thank you, uh, Mr. President. Thanks, President, Thanks. President, I,
3: so so what I'm understanding is that the COVID 19 communication coordinator does not work for the Board of Health, the COVID-19 communication uh, communication coordinator works in the press department, the city's press department?
12: He reports to the expert in communications, yes, and but he certainly has been working with us very closely um, as part of our team and, and directing us on how to best do um, and get messaging out. Um, but then he obviously... The Checks with Jackie to make sure that that's the right way to go. No,
3: no, he does not work for the Board of Health.
12: That's
0: great. Thank you. you. Uh, Any other questions from Marianne?
1: Marianne,
12: thank you very much. The only last thing I want to put out there is that, again, we have for all, you know, that the Gancher Center is open on Wednesdays and Thursdays from 11 to 4. We're not getting... um, they're, they're opening up to walk to walk-ins you don't have to have an appointment we really we really want to encourage people to go there um we are not getting the participation that we're hoping for and and uh, the concern is if we don't continue to get participation that um we may not be able to sustain that so um any any help and, and walk-ins are available Wednesday and Thursday please get vaccine
0: Thank you, Marion. The orders of the day by uh, Council uh, <clears> one <throat> 21018, Communication from the Mayor uh, to the Honorable uh, President, members of City Council, dear Mr. President, and City councils, I respectfully request to recommend that your all Body approve the following amendments to revise ordinances entitled Personnel Article Two Classification and Compensation Plan, Section Sixty Six Slash entitled officers and employees non-union uh diversity and human uh, diversity non-union by adding the new positions of director of economic development and director of diversity and human resources to the following classifications amendment a uh, classification cap 5 personally states that it applies as follows cap 15 sealer of weights and measures recreation director director of communication the language of cap 15 shall be amended to read as follows. cap 15, seal of weights and measures and recreation director, director of communications and director of economic developments. Member B, classica- classification 19 presently states that it applies as follows. cap 19, city clerk, treasurer collector, director of budget, CPO, uh, director of of Public Health and Elder Services, Chief, of, Chief Assessor. The language of CAF-19 shall be amended to read as follows. CAF-19, City Clerk, treasurer, Collector, Director of Budget, CPO, Director of Public Health and Elder Services, Chief Assessor, Director of Diversity and Human Resources. Respectfully submitted, uh, Brianna, uh, Brianna Longone, yeah.
4: Mayor. President. Uh, Councilor Scott Belli. Is there someone from the uh, City Administration just to ask a question just about the as i'm reading this it, is the sailor way to measures its own its own position or is it now go up somewhere else because that's what i believe um, it was uh alicia nunley benjamin can you answer that question
8: alicia Uh, Good evening, honorable counselors. I believe in this CAF, uh, the Sailor Weights and Measures is its own position, but currently I believe we don't have a Sailors and Weights measure position, instead it's paid as a stipend.
4: Okay, Okay. do you know moving forward in the future budget, is this going to be a standalone position? Are we looking for somebody, or is this going to be absorbed into another position, Felicia? Uh, uh,
8: To the chair, I'm not aware of uh, it being presented as a new position, but again, um, I'd have to check back with the mayor, but as of my knowledge, I don't believe so.
4: You don't believe so that it's still going to have its own title or it's going to still be absorbed? I believe it's
8: good. I believe what is happening here is they're leaving that alone and they're just adding a position to it at, at some time in the past. In the history, was its own position,
3: but it's not its own
11: position anymore. Have information
8: so,
3: one of the information, Vice President Knight, so, uh, I'm confused as to how we can have a city ordinance that dictates we have a sealer of weights and measures that's going to be compensated at a certain rate of pay. And then the administration decides that the ordinance doesn't exist and goes and creates a position that's a stipend job and gives it to somebody else. Mm-hmm.
8: This is just histo- a- through the chair. That's historically how it's been since I've been, I, I have not seen it as its own position.
4: Well, uh, if you get back to us, did, did, we not, did we not vote on the budget Lisa last year for weights and measures person? I believe we did.
8: I can double check, but I believe it was as, I believe it's a stipend and if I'm, I'm wrong, I'll get back to you, but I believe that's what it is. If I'm incorrect, I apologize, but. I believe all it's right. a
4: stipend. Okay, thank you. Maybe I misunderstood, but that, that's what I thought. Okay, thank you. Um, Vice President Knight, did you want the floor? Um, I just uh, sometimes I scratch
3: my head and wonder why we have ordinances, Mr. President. If we're not going to go by them, we all took an oath to uphold the ordinances of the community, and then it seems to me like a lot of the time, uh, you know, the ordinances are only read when it's convenient to the person that reads them.
0: Okay, so. Uh, this has been this, uh, this ordinance has been discussed uh, at length uh, with several uh, community, home whole meetings, and it was, uh, was voted on uh, last week. And if you think the procedure, we, we, we want to vote on each amendment separately. On uh, the motion by Vice President Knight to approve Amendment A, seconded by. Second. Second, Second. Seconded, by, seconded by Council Scarpelli.
1: Mr. Clerk, please call the roll. Council Bears. Yes. yes. Councilor Falcon. Yes. Vice President Knight. Yes. Councilor yes. Marks. Yes. Councilor Morrell. Yes. Council Scarpelli? Yes. President Carvial. Yes. Send me the affirmative. Motion passes. Amendment
5: B. Motion to approve.
0: On uh, the motion by Councilor Bears to approve, seconded by Second, seconded by Councilor Morrell. Mr. President, uh, Councilor Belco. So, just
2: to just want to make sure I have this right. So, uh, the motion is to make the diversity diversity director on human resources part of Cap 19. So that would be joining the two positions, if I'm correct.
0: We, uh, I think that um, it was uh, uh, Amendment B is, is adding a position that did not exist in the past, which is the director of diversity and human resources. So um, I think we voted, uh, not mistaken, we voted the committee, the whole meeting, to eliminate that position uh, to report, and that's how it was reported out.
2: You are correct.
0: I, that's Vice a president. mistake on that, Mr. No.
3: President. If I may, uh, Vice President Knight, the way that I'm looking at this vote, Mr. President, is that we're eliminating the office of diversity and inclusion, and we're merging those functions with the human resource office. And I think this council has been loud and clear that that's not what we want. That's, that's correct. correct. We're going to we want to see a commitment to diversity. Um, so with that being said, um, I certainly have no problem voting against this amendment, evening,
4: Mr. President you. Oh, Councilor I again I apologize. I know this is very important. I know I mentioned it at the first meeting, I know we've had many, but um, as, we, as we've gone through the round table uh, discussions about race in our community, one of the biggest um, biggest initiatives that that was said over and over again is when the words are great, the meetings are great, but when is this community going to put their the money where their mouth is? And one of the things we talked about, I think I said it then was in that in those discussions the roundtable discussions is that the glaring problem of not having a diversity uh specialist that works with the school and having that person that's in the city side working with the school department together with the city side would be monumental and moving some huge initiatives forward so i again i, I and i i, I apologize because I, I have been i i did miss that meeting with uh dealing with the family issue but um, I, I, I just I can't support this in any way, especially what we've been talking about in this community for the last upteen months. Um, this, is, this is exactly what we talked about, putting money where our mouth is, putting the person in that position who's, who's, who's valuable in that position to go out and, and increase his role, both working with what he do- did in the private sector and his knowledge in the community, and and it would be valuable to have that person go right to the school system yesterday and start working together with the school department, the city side to get to some to some resolutions to show our community that yes, we're not just having marches, we're not just talking around tables, but we're actually we're actually making things happen. So thank you, Mr. President. Council Balco. Thank you, Mr. President. I want to thank my colleagues.
2: We've had numerous meetings, uh, numerous committee the whole meetings on this topic and we've had a lot of valuable discussion and I still like go back and I look at the metrics. We have 58,000, probably close to 58,000 people in this city, probably about 4,000 students around there, hundreds of employees in our school system and in our, in our city. We are one of the largest cities in the commonwealth by population. And we have no one specifically in the school system that is responsible for diversity and inclusion. It's a piece of someone's job, but not one, is not a person that's solely responsible for that. Diversity inclusion within our school system and within our city should be a priority. Sometimes an issue comes before this council that is as much timely as it is important. Diversity is just such an issue. I want to make it abundantly clear that in my view, it is time to move the diversity issue from talk to reality. Raising the reality of inclusion and equity is not a part-time effort. It requires the attentive focus of a full-time diversity officer who has time to see the issue at every level. This includes hiring practices to help make sure that the faces in City Hall reflect the faces of our community. And it also includes the continual analysis of our municipal contracts. Who are the companies that we are, that we contract with? What is the percentage of contracts that the city has with minority businesses or businesses that are owned by women? We have to move from talk to action. I want Mr. Arwen to know that my objection to the mayor's request is not a reflection on his abilities or his professionalism. It is about what the city needs and it is time that we meet the need of diversity and inclusion head on and the mayor's request does not do
7: that. Thank you, Mr. President. Thank you. Council Thank you, Mr. President. Yeah, I just want to note that my vote's going to reflect the, um, the work that's being done right now. And as the mayor has structured it, I too uh, want to see uh, you know the full time, I want to see the diversity department built out essentially. And all I can do is act on the information that the administration has given us, that they are going to build out this department in the coming budget. It's not something they can do tomorrow. And again, my vote is just reflecting the work that is going on right now that is being taken on by one person and the hard work that they're doing um, and reflecting the current structure and ensuring that it's um, Thank you.
6: Thank you. Councilor Mox. Th- thank you, Mr. President. Make no mistake about this. A vote to merge the Director of Diversity and Human Resource Director is a vote to take a step backwards regarding diversity in this community. Make no bones about it. Council Falco was a 1,000% correct, Mr. President. A vote tonight to support that will be a vote to do away with the director, a standalone director position that has existed for years in this community with the sole responsibility of looking at diversity through a lens of this community and the people that live in this community. So in my opinion, it's taking a step, a giant step backwards. This council also met within the past year, Mr. President, seven of us, and discussed and put together a list of priorities that we voted on unanimously. And one of the votes was not to merge this position. It was to keep a standalone diversity director. That was a vote seven zero, Mr. President. So, you know, we've been consistent on this issue. If others want to flip flop back and forth, that's their call. But we've been consistent on this issue, Mr. President, and now's the time to stand up against the administration and say this is far too important of a position to have it go by the wayside. Thank you, Mr. President.
5: Council Bears. Thank you, Mr. President. Um, I think it would be remiss to say that the person who holds this position right now thinks that this is working and that this is a good idea. Um, so I just want to acknowledge that. Um, I agree, we need to invest deeply in diversity and inclusion. And I think one of the actions that we can take is and show that diversity is a priority is elevating this position. Uh, additionally, in our meeting, the mayor committed to another full-time diversity staff reporting to this position, which would bring us from one staff uh, in 2018 to two staff next year. We've heard from the current person who holds this position, Mr. Osborne, that it's working. Uh, And he said this is partially about valuing the work that he is doing. It has led to new hiring practices, exactly what we were just talking about, that highlight and advance the issues of diversity and inclusion. And additionally, we heard at the meeting from the mayor's staff that this could potentially lead to a reduction in pay for the person who currently holds the office. I cannot vote to reduce the pay of someone who is doing so much work for this community. So I'll be voting to approve this tonight and continuing our commitment uh, within the budget process to have even more people uh focused on diversity and inclusion in this community thank you sir
0: thank you councilman further pres- discussion
3: um uh, mr president if i may uh vice president Knight. seems to me like the city administration's committed to creating a lot of new jobs in a budget during this hiring freeze that you talked about thursday night i believe um you know when we look at this position in particular this isn't something that just came out of the blue this, is, this isn't something that just came out of the blue on january 1st 2020 this council passed a resolution questioning the merger of this position. That's some 17 months ago, Mr. President. This council was on record questioning whether or not this was a good idea. And we've maintained consistency and we've been steadfast in our position on this. So when the city administration responded to it and said they don't feel as though it's a conflict of interest, when the diversity director would also sit on the hiring panel, and if someone who didn't get a position felt as though they were discriminated against, or had an issue, they'd have to go to the diversity director who's a member of the hiring panel. Who is that person servicing? Is he servicing the hiring panel and the administration as a member of the hiring panel? Or is he working as a director of diversity to address the issues that the person's bringing to them? Then Councilor Falco hit the nail on the head. The city of Medford is one of the largest employers in the city of Medford. We have a ton of employees. We need to make a commitment to this. So when we look at the history of the position and we see the council speaking out against it, in January of 2020, the city administration initiating a personnel action form in January of 2020, the city administration initiating another personnel action form on 323, 2020 with another pay increase, and then the city administration implementing another personnel action form on 10-22-2020 with another pay increase, it seems as though no one's listening to what this council's saying. So with that being said, I'm going to stand with my council colleagues, Mr. President. The commitment to diversity has to be real. It can be spun any way you want to spin it, but at the end of the day, the council's been speaking about this for 17 months, and we've been saying this isn't something we want.
0: Thank you. Uh, any further discussion? On the motion by Councillor Bairst, seconded by Councillor Morrell. this is a really vote um, similar to the first one where this will take its first reading. Yeah. Uh so Mr. Clerk, please call the roll.
1: Councilor Bears. Yes. Councilor Falco. No. Vice President Knight? No. Councilor Marks? No. Councilor Morrill. Yes. Councilor Scarpelli. No. President Carvial. No. Uh,
0: two in the affirmative, five in the negative. Uh motion passes.
1: Fail.
0: Motion motion fails. Uh so the uh amendment A will uh uh take its first reading uh tonight. It'll be further advertised. Thank you. 21369, members of the city council. Dear Mr. President and city councilors, I respectfully request and recommend that your honorable body approves the appropriation of retained earnings in the amount of $500,000 and zero cents. This amount is being requested to subsidize the fiscal 2022 water and sewer enterprise fund uh, fund budget due to the health and pandemic, health pandemic and current economic conditions. Retained earnings are reserves of the Water and Sewer Fund. Re- reserves can be used for any lawful purpose, but serve uh, primarily to provide financial security in cases of un- unforeseen events such as COVID-19 or capital replacement. The balance of retained earnings <laughs> for this vote is six million uh, fifty-nine five twelve. <laughs> Finance Director under Benjamin is here to uh, answer any of the council's questions against matter. matter. Sucili, Brianna Longwood. Mayor, uh, Alicia, uh, brief synopsis on this.
8: Yes, uh, thank you, honorable president, honorable councilors. I was at the uh, Water and Sewer Commission rate setting meeting and uh, the mayor has decided to appropriate $500,000 to subsidize the budget to make the rate increase be 3% for the next year, which is consistent with last year, it was a 3% increase. Without the $500,000 transfer, the increase to the rate pay would be 5%. Questions
0: for, the, uh, for Alicia number
6: Any questions? Mr. Council Box. Thank, Thank, Thank you, Mr. President. And I appreciate we have the finance director on. Um, you know, in, in the past, in, in this finance director, Alicia has been around for a while. Uh, there's always been discussion about tapping into our retained earnings or our free cash uh, because it may impact the bond rating. Uh, I was just wondering at what point in this particular account, uh, if we were to uh, vote for a higher uh, dollar amount, would that impact uh, our bond rating? Or the potential of our well, impact of
8: water. The the reason for the five hundred thousand and the three percent is is to keep it minimal because if you use more money to subsidize and reduce the rate, once your reserves are gone, you'd have the users would have rate shock because it'd be a huge increase. Furthermore, in the fiscal year twenty-two budget, I saw a lot of capital items being submitted to the water and sewer budget, which I took out. And that would actually need to be funded through retained earnings. So I, I would not suggest uh, dipping any further into retained earnings.
6: All right. So, so uh, if I could, Alicia, um, what, what do we anticipate every year of additional funds to retained earnings?
8: Uh, that's hard to say. So retained earnings are one-time revenue so we could deplete the whole thing and not have any retain earnings at all what retained earnings is is we actually had more money we didn't spend as much as we thought we were going to spend we had some savings so in initially when i put these emergency spending freezes you know um in place usually they're slowing down on their spending which causes a little bit of savings at the end but um going forward once things, once the economy recovers and COVID is gone, uh, there's no guarantee you're going to have retained earnings each year. Right No, so, no, I, I
6: understand that, but uh, this account grows every year uh, since yeah. I've been on the council. So uh, I'm trying to anticipate. Once we use five hundred thousand, uh, it's currently six million oh fifty nine. That'll leave us with about five million five hundred thousand. What do we anticipate this time next year having in the account? Uh,
8: That will be estimated at the end of the year to be complete to the chair. Uh, That would be estimated at the end of the year. I'd have to look to come up with an estimate of what would be left. But knowing that there are huge capital costs that are coming through, that is going to take that number down. So even if, we have money, like you said, at the end of the year, a lot of that is gonna be earmarked for projects that I took out of the budget so that the rate didn't have a huge rate increase. Because okay. it's really only supposed to be used for one-time costs. It's usually not used for subsidizing the rate, but due to COVID-19, that's why we're using it to subsidize the budget to ease the pain off of people during the recession, but it really should be used for one-time costs such as capital costs.
6: Right, uh, and, I, and I can appreciate that, but. I can tell you firsthand that this amount of money is not going to ease much off the ratepayers. You know, I think it's a good symbolic gesture, but it's really not going to ease the feelings of the ratepayers payers uh, in this community. And if anything, the six million that's out there, as you stated, is an over uh, an overreach of the city uh, charging too much for water and sewer, and that's how we end up with uh, the retained earnings. Um, but but be, you know, put, putting that aside, um, there's been some discussion recently and I brought up the issue within the last couple of weeks about our uh, water uh, water meters. And this discussion has been that we're close to uh, the life expectancy of the water meters that were installed uh, some years back. And is the administration, if you can't answer this, I understand it's, it's not under your jurisdiction, is the administration currently looking at uh, water meters within the community for replacement?
8: Uh, through the chair, yes. Yes, the current administration is looking at water meters. Right. So is a
6: potential that uh, the retained earnings, uh, which could be a one-time uh, cost for infrastructure, um, be looked at for the replacement of water
8: meters? If requested by uh, the DPW, They can request that of the mayor. They can request to use retained earnings for replacement of water meters. They absolutely can.
6: DPW or the water and sewer commissioners?
8: I'm talking about the DPW because the water and sewer is under the DPW umbrella.
6: Right, but who who would ultimately approve the new meters? Would it be the water and sewer commissioners?
8: No, it would be be the uh, mayor because the mayor would have to fund it.
6: Right, but so the recommendation doesn't come from the Water and Sewer Commissioners.
8: No, the, what the Water and Sewer Commissioners do each year when they're when we're meeting is they're discussing policy. They get the budget number from me. They get the debt service number from me. They get the indirect costs, which is the people's health insurance, dental insurance, pension costs. They get that, and then they vote a rate to fund those operations. And obviously, the biggest cost of all being the MWRA assessment. Uh, this year alone went up $835,471, um, that's what they're voting. Right. So, so that, that's,
6: a, you know, when, when I was on the council uh, when we last replaced the water meters and the water and sewer commissioners were an integral part of the replacement um, along with the DPW, uh, you are correct. Um, so my, my, uh, you know, one concern is that if we don't request more money for retained earnings to offset uh, the increase, uh, we're at 3% now with the 500,000, then if we are going to use this for uh, new water meters, which uh, I think we all can remember the time and Council Penta brought it up a couple of weeks ago about the number of abatements. I believe it was over 700 abatements given in one calendar year uh, because we were estimating over half, of our water and sewer bills uh because of malfunctioning meters we never want to go back to that uh that that time uh so if if we can get some type of commitment from the administration that uh the funds will be taken out of this account uh you know i i will not look to uh, further um tap this account uh because uh, i think in general it's going to um ultimately save the ratepayers by having an accurate meter and, um, you know, it serves the same purpose. So at this point, uh, I'm not gonna ask for an additional dollar amount, uh, as long as we know uh, that, that the money is coming from these particular funds for the new meters. And I guess at some point, uh, the mayor is gonna ask for an appropriation, so it will require council approval. But I just wanted to go on record that that's what I would be supporting at this point. Thank you.
3: Thank
0: you, any, any other questions? Uh, Vice
3: President Knight. Um, yes, Mr. President. Um, you know, Council Marx started talking about the capital improvement plan earlier and um, being a big government nerd it got me all excited and got me reading this capital improvement plan over the end. Um, and when you look at the capital improvement plan, what you'll see in it is that over the next six years, it's the administration's intention to spend upwards of $18 million on water and sewer infrastructure. The capital improvement plan also says... The investment strategy calls for all water and sewer projects to be funded from enterprise revenues. And the meters, Mr. President, are not a part of this capital improvement plan. So let's just get that out there right now. Um, You know, the meters aren't part of the strategy or the improvement plan that they're discussing. So the administration may be looking at it, but it seems to me that that started probably about 14 days ago when the speaker was up at the podium. Um, so with that being said, Mr. President, I certainly think it's important that we provide rate relief uh, to the tax to the rate payers. And I'll be supporting this paper this evening. Um, but, you know, ultimately what we're doing is really developing this structural deficit. Every year we're going to have to appropriate these funds, because if we don't, then as the finance director said, the ratepayers are going to see sticker shock because their rate's going to go up you know, somewhere around five percent. Um, so with that being said, I will put the paper this evening. Um, however, I would like to point out the inconsistencies between the capital
0: improvement plan and uh, what's going on any further questions? Okay, um, uh, on the motion, motion to accept
6: motion for approval, Mr. President. On the
0: motion, on the motion by uh, Councilor Marks, second and by. Second by Councilor not, Vice President Knight. Councilor Feather, did you want to speak? I'm all set. Thank you. On the motion uh, by Councilor Marks, second by Vice President Knight. Uh, Mr. Clerk, please call the roll.
1: Councilor Bears. Yes. Councilor Falco? Yes. Vice President Knight? Yes. Councilor Marks? Yes. Councilor Morrell. Yes. Councilor Scarpelli? Yes. President Garabello? Yes. In the affirmative motion passes. Uh, Reports of committees,
0: 2101 a 4th Committee of the Whole, report. This was 201A is what we just voted on uh, just a few minutes ago, and it was reported out favorably. Uh, Motion to accept. Uh, The motion by Councilor Scarpelli, seconded by Vice President Knight. Mr. Clerk, please call the roll.
1: Council Bears? Yes. Council Docco? Yes. Vice President Knight? Yes. Council Marks? Yes. Council Morell? Yes. Council Scarpelli? Yes.
0: President Gabriel Yes. passes. 20625, May 5th, 2021, Committee of the, uh, the Whole Report. Uh, this Committee of the Whole was regarding uh, the, the Fells Ave uh, Fulton Street uh, traffic issues uh, with uh, the Chief and, um, and uh, Officer Hartnett. So, uh, Move approval on the motion by uh, Vice President Knight. Second and by. Second. Second by Council Falco. Mr. Clerk, please call the roll.
1: <clears throat> Council Bears. Yes. Council Falco. Yes. Vice President Knight. Yes. Council Marks. Yes. Council Morrell. Yes. Councilor Scarpelli. Yes. President Carvial. Yes. Seven the motion passes. Public
0: participation. Uh, Council former Council Patricia Daugherty, 235 Winter Street, number 440, Method Mass. Uh, former Counselor Patricia Doherty would like to discuss with the residents of Method, Method's ability to exercise the First Amendment right of free speech. Former Counselor Doherty, good evening. Name and address of the record, please. Uh,
13: Patricia Brady Doherty, 235 Winthrop Street. Thank you. Counselors, uh, thank you for the opportunity to speak tonight. In order to stay in my time frame, I'm going to read my statement, so please bear with me. Last Tuesday, I placed this on the agenda to speak about a statement made by a Human Rights Commission member in an April meeting, who was critical of the fact that the mayor was on a Zoom meeting alongside the flag. The statement made was, and I quote, I noticed that the mayor was sitting next to the flag and the flag means so many things to so many people, but to black and brown people, it means rape and pillaging. I wanna repeat that statement so that you understand that you heard it correctly. I noticed that the mayor was sitting next to the flag, and the flag means so many things to so many Ms. people. Brady,
3: if I may interrupt you for just a moment and ask that you put your mask on due to the guidelines that the Board of Health has put out, we don't want to create I'll put situation. it under my
13: chin, but I am gonna follow the counselors and not wear my mask over my face when speaking. They're they're separated by
3: Miss um, Brady, I'm, I'm not the one that creates the guideline. I'm just going to ask you to comply with it. Can you please comply you with it? You can
13: ask guide? me, but I don't want to do it. It'll cause me to have problems speaking.
3: I'm asking you to comply with the guideline, Miss Brady. I don't want to have to uh, go but down this road. I want Mrs. to give you your time to speak, you. and I'm, I'm asking you to please put your mask on.
13: Only as a favor to you, Adam. I appreciate it. It appears that no one at the Human Rights Commission meeting spoke up to defend the flag. However, one person did step forward on social media, but I will speak to that in a minute. There are thousands of veterans in this community. There are hundreds of people in this community who have shed their blood and died on the battlefield in defense of their flag, our flag. Every person who's into the military takes this oath takes their oath in front of the American flag. Every morning, the army awakes to the rising of the flag, the raising of the flag with revelry. And when the day is done, the flag is lowered when the evening gun is fired in a solemn ceremony. An American soldier wears the flag on his sleeve. If a soldier dies in combat, he comes home in a flag draped coffin. When a soldier is buried with full military honors, the last thing that happens is that the flag is folded, presented to family with the words by a grateful nation. A soldier does not allow the flag to touch the ground and when the flag is worn out, it's burned and it's ashes buried. Between World War I, World War II, the Korean War and the Vietnam War, the Gulf War, Afghanistan and Iraq, almost a million and a half Americans lost their lives overseas. We do not speak German or Japanese as a captive people because of these veterans. We decorate our veterans' graves on Oak Grove with flags for Memorial Day. This weekend and next, veterans will place 8,700 flags on graves for the upcoming Memorial Day holiday on May 31st when the city will honor the men and women who died while serving their country. Veterans look to this flag as a symbol of this great country, the lives lost and the freedoms won. Veterans are bonded to the flag, as are most Americans. We say the Pledge of Allegiance to the flag as school children, the city council and the school committee starts its meetings with the Pledge of Allegiance, as do people at baseball games and other sporting events. It is who we are as an American people. If this statement regarding the flag were made in a private conversation that I would fully support the commission members' right to say this no matter how offensive it is to veterans and other citizens. However, this person was serving in an official capacity as representative of the city of Medford when she made the statement. All people who are elected officials and appointed members of boards and commission in this city take an oath to uphold the constitution. The Constitution is the basis of the country and the flag is a symbol of our country here and around the world. The statement regarding the flag made by the Human Rights Commission member calls into question her ability to faithfully execute her duties impartially as an appointed member in this city. For instance, would she treat a veteran fairly or unfairly, if he appeared, he or she appeared before the commission wearing a hat with a flag on it. And speaking of veterans, this week, veteran organizations in the city learned that the city is seeking a waiver from the state to override the law requiring veterans preference when hiring new police officers. Again, another insult to veterans, it is that veterans do not matter in this city any longer. As mentioned earlier, one Medford resident expressed his anger on social media about the statement made by the Human Rights Commission member disrespecting the flag. He titled his post defending the flag. Although I do not condone some of the language he chose to use in his post, nevertheless, he has a constitutional right of free speech as we all do express his opinion. However, in response to this post, the Human Rights Commission called an emergency meeting essentially to attack this resident, expressing an opinion they do not like. During this emergency Zoom meeting, the Human Rights Commission members, including the mayor's liaison, the director of diversity, two city councilors, a school committee member, including a member of the public, members of the public, proceeded to vilify this resident, simply because he'd expressed his criticism of the statement attacking the flag they called him a racist, a misogynist, and a deviant, all under the pretext of a public meeting. One woman even asked the chief of police who was present, if they could visit this person. If they could investigate him. If they could intimidate him. That sounds like someone advocating KGB action. Like in a police state and not one person present objected to that statement. Again, all of this vitriol is directed at an individual simply because he exercised his constitutional right to free speech. Is it not height of hypocrisy for commission members, elected officials and others to condemn this resident for exercising his first amendment right to free speech while at the same time claiming the commission member the original statement discred- discrediting the flag was a proper exercise of free speech.
5: Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Dirty. Mr. President. Uh, Councilor Biss. Thank you, Mr. President. I just want to say I was present at that meeting, and I actually specifically did say I did object to that. So um, I think there's a little bit of selective hearing here. Um, that's all
13: I'll say. Thank you. The chair, to council, sure council of bears. Council of bears. Council It would be a lot nicer if you could come see me eye to eye, like the other councillors are here. It would be
5: a lot nicer if you would I'm wear a mask, as we've as we asked you to do. Thank you.
13: That, I want to let you know that I watched that meeting, all 143 minutes of it, painfully watching it three times. I have many, many notes. What you did say was, you did say he has a right to say it, but you went on to vilify him and you went on to vilify white males in the community. And you said it was a white male problem. It was a cultural problem in this city. And I don't have those in front of me because I got to stay within my 10 minutes. Thank you.
5: Thank you, Councilor. Mr. President, if I may. Councilor Best. I said, specifically, you can quote me. We will not police or surveil our way out of this. So I was not, adv- I was specifically saying we should not advocate any use of police or surveillance around this topic. And freedom of speech does not mean freedom from consequences. He said something, people objected to it. They made their point. That's how this works. Thank you.
13: Through the chair, Councilor Bears, chair. I sat more than 350 Tuesday nights on the chair through countless committee of the home meetings. I know how the process works. I'm also a member of the bar. I heard what you said. You didn't say a word when that woman on Grove Street said what she said about police tactics and intimidating him. You did say something earlier, and I said what you said. But you also said it was a white male problem, and it was a cultural problem in this city.
14: Thank
3: you. you. Mr. President, Uh, Vice President Knight, I don't think we need to get into what he said, she said. At this point, the speaker was able to... uh, articulate her thoughts and the gentleman was able to rebut it may be appropriate for us to move on thank you thank you council Darty.
9: thank you thank you
0: good evening name and address of the record please
9: good evening anita d'antonio 14 yale street very interesting issue free speech and the first amendment and very pertinent to this city in this era i've i am a lifelong resident of medford And that brings me to a point. Recently, there was a resolution brought forward by a public official, I believe on the school committee, requesting that public participation or public speaking participants not mention that they were lifelong residents or how whatever uh, uh, years they spent in Medford or. We're talking about free speech here. If that isn't an abrogation of free speech, I don't know what is coming from a public official. And I would like to add on to what Ms. Uh, Brady Doherty said. This uh, Human Rights Commission, that's under the rubric of a public commission. You're making statements from that uh, podium, from that, that uh, uh, chair, and they're taken with some authority. So I would say everyone has the right to free speech, but you, you do have to, you have to be careful in terms of whether you are libeling people, slandering them, which brings me to another point. Something that happened in Medford, I found very disturbing, but I heard very little about this in terms of condemnation from any public officials. I spoke with the mayor about it. Uh, I really didn't get much of a, a an effective, efficacious response. It had to do with the rally, the infamous rally that took place in support of the Medford Police Department. What ensued from that, because people organized that, supported it, was a list, racists of Medford, The people who supported that rally were targeted, put on a blog on the internet for all to see, and it was there for months. It's just been recently taken down. I was told that, well, we can't trace who the author of that is. Uh, We don't know how to get it off of the internet, on and on. I did not hear a condemnation of that blog from any public official with any robustness behind it, the way the mayor and the police chief condemned and castigated the organizers and the rally in support of the Medford police. Whether I agree with it or not, that's not the point. What came out of that was someone who decided she didn't like those people who organized that rally and she was gonna just show everyone what racist they were. These are private citizens. They are business owners. They are residents of this city. They are our neighbors. What happened? That's libel. That's not free speech. Free Libel is not covered by free speech. Some of the things I'm hearing from public officials, whether they be on Twitter or Facebook, and that's part of the problem. We have supplanted face-to-face speech, coming to meetings like this and having vibrant, disagreements, and agreements, and discussion with Facebook and Twitter. I stand here with trepidation anytime I come to this podium because I'm speaking to the public. It's a public speaking exercise. There is even more anxiety now because I have the fear I may be doxed. I may find my picture, my address, my name on Facebook with Any stereotype, fill in the blank. For crying out loud, I may even be labeled a Democrat or a Republican. That's a little humor, sorry. Um, But, you know, it it has, the atmosphere in this city is toxic. We can discuss the budget. We can discuss, discuss diversity, all of that. But the atmosphere is toxic here. Just go on Facebook, the Medford Mass Facebook. Uh, take a look at any of the statements that are made. I've, I've, I have read stereotypical statements that are a disgrace coming from people who espouse their tolerance. Uh, if you've lived here a certain amount of years, you fit into a certain pigeonhole. Uh, it, it is if you're of a certain ethnicity, you fit into another one. It, it, and nobody is condemning this. Nobody is speaking out. We want diversity. How about some some, <clears throat> some consideration for decency? Use the, all the free speech you want. Here's a quote. If you're really in favor of free speech, then you're in favor of freedom of speech for precisely the views you despise. Otherwise, you're not in favor of free speech. Noam Chomsky said that. Someone I vehemently disagree with ideologically. But he makes exact sense. That's exactly correct. That's what makes all of this great. I have watched city council meetings where we have had such contentious meetings over issues. I mean, insults were hurled, accusations back and forth, never to go home and find on some public forum that any one of the counselors or the citizens who came up were, were condemned, stereotyped, called bigot, racist, xenophobe, on and on and on, it's just the order of the day. If you do not agree with a particular thought or agenda, or or you have a different opinion, you're presumed guilty of something. And it goes from there. So between those two incidents, I I could point to with regard to the racists of Medford. Imagine any one of you being on that blog. Wouldn't that be nice? That's probably the worst thing you could call someone. And that stayed up there. All you had to do was put in racists of Medford," And there it was for all the world to see. Not, Not a peep from anyone, not a peep from the chief of police. Maybe you could not find out who had that blog, but you damn well could have condemned it robustly and said, we don't want that in this city. Nothing, I heard nothing. The same thing now with what I shouldn't say I'm a lifelong resident. I don't care if you moved here yesterday. You're welcomed in this city. I should be accepted in this city as a lifelong resident and not be put in a pigeonhole because I choose to speak freely. We are chilling free speech and it's right here in our own city. We haven't crossed the Rubicon yet, but we're perilously close. And I'm afraid it's only going to get worse. It doesn't look good right now. And we don't have the courage of our convictions to stand up and oppose things when they are wrong, not when they're politically correct to oppose, but when they are wrong. That's all I ask. And in the last thing I'll say is quoting Winston Churchill, a paraphrase. Some people's idea of free speech. Is that they are free to say what they like but if anyone says anything back that is an outrage we should not embrace that we should have good free flowing conversation and when i leave this podium i should feel as though i've made my opinion known and i don't want to feel as though i've been stereotyped labeled ostracized castigated should not be but that's what's happening in this city Far too often. Thank you for listening to me.
0: Thank you, Mr. D'Antonio. Good evening. Name and address for the record, please.
11: My name is uh, Robert Penta, Zero Summit Road, Medford, Mass, former member of this August Party. I want to, at the outset, I'd like to uh, thank uh, former Councilor Doherty for coming forward because her points of vote are very cogent because Memorial Day is right around the corner. It's probably the most sacred of all our veterans holidays during the course of the year. And for this city to go forward and look for an exemption to eliminate veterans in a police exam preference says an awful lot of things as it relates to where are we going? You know, where are we going as a community and as elected officials? You know, the real sad part about this this is going to be the 30th year in Washington DC that the veterans have had their annual motorcycle parade and it's the first time that it's being canceled. It's being canceled because allegedly of COVID. But on the same day, BLM is having their parade and cannabis is having their event. On the same day, same times as the, as the schedule for the AMVETS 30th anniversary motorcycle parade. So. There's a little bit of, of a disconnect here, and maybe of a political. Where do we go? And who is in support of who, and whatever it might be. I'll tell you my experience about my free speech being infringed upon. There's a group in Method called Method Mass Politics. The issue was the Christopher Columbus School. Now I expressed my opinion on that page, like I've done on many pages here in the city of Method. I've been called every conceivable thing that you can think of on that page on that group, by members in that group, and leaving no exporters out, just use your imagination. That's free speech. And if they wanna say it, and if they're not gonna be scolded because of the inappropriateness of their language, then so be it. But I shouldn't be chastised or anyone else be chastised for going on that page or any other page and expressing your opinion. Just like Mr. Antonio said, just like Councilor Doherty said. And when you are on a board and a commission of this community, common sense dictates. Because that's what you're there for, to listen to both sides or whatever the issue might be. Common sense dictates. And unfortunately, it doesn't seem to be working here in the city. You know what I resent the most? I resent the most when people say, I'm white, I was born privileged, and I have a spoon in my mouth. And I've been taken, I can take advantage of anything or I have taken advantage of. Well, I look at all of you, you're all white, okay? You worked for what you got. Nothing's been handed down to you. And I resent the fact that anyone would turn around and tell me that I'm a racist because I'm white. I've been privileged because I'm white, because nobody knows my life. Nobody knows my background, how I got to where I am. And just because I served in government for 39 years, which is the greatest honor I've ever had, outside of being married and having children. No one can take away that feeling of serving the people. But you serve the people not to denigrate the people. You serve them to build them up. And when you start to tell little kids today in school that you've got to be ashamed whether you're white, black, blue, or brown, that's wrong. Don't do that to a little kid in our public school education. I'm gonna switch gears real quick. The city of Medford has just been. I've read in Patch today. The city of Medford is getting thirty-seven million five hundred thousand dollars. So if the city of Medford is getting thirty-seven million five hundred thousand dollars, as Councilor Marks alluded to earlier on this evening, I guess the better question is: You guys have got a budget coming up. So if you have a budget coming up, why should you discuss a budget when you're anticipating under the American Recovery Act this thirty-seven million dollars? Are you going to get it all at once? You're going to get it over a year. How are you going to get it? You people should have a committee of the whole meeting with the mayor, present to tell you how this money is going to be disseminated. In 2007 and 2009, when this country had its economic problems, the monies that were given out back then couldn't compete against the needs that the communities have. Well, now it's a little bit different. We're getting $37 million. It's a tremendous amount of money. But you got to look at some of the things that the money can be used for. And to me, the first question is, it's looming right around the corner from all of you in 2029, you've got an approximately $30 million unfunded pension liability that no one still talks about. Who's going to pay for that? How's it going to be paid? Is it going to be included in this money that you're going to be getting? These are questions you really need to ask. Also, it talks about paying premium pay for the people who did work during the COVID-19. Well, how are you going to disseminate that? Is it going to be first responders? Is it going to be fire? Is it going to be police? Who's it going to be? I think you really need to sit down and have this conversation. Let me ask you, have you people been notified already that you're getting $37 million or did you just read about it in the paper? You know, Mr. President?
0: Uh, I've not received it officially.
11: You have not received it, but it's okay for transparency, for the patch to have it, but the council not to have it. My suggestion strongly to you folks, all of you, whether you're sitting here or the two that are sitting home, that you sit down with the mayor and her staff to discuss what that
3: million $37, $37, five hundred thousand dollars is all about. Point of information, Mr. President.
0: Point of information, Vice President May. If
3: you refer to our packet that we received this evening, uh, we'll look at paper 21329. Uh, and that was a response from the mayor. Uh, we were seeking guidance on how the money would be uh, spent. And, uh... Says that it'll be coming midway, pursuant to uh, conversations the administration said with the so Division of Local Services. It? And uh, the mayor's response goes on to further this was uh, the mayor's response to a council resolution. Guidance on how the money AARP will be coming by mid May, says BLS. So far, we only know we can spend it on lost revenue in water, sewer, and broadband infrastructure. I will refer this to Ms. Menley for a response to the projected revenues on 42721, signed mail on so this council has taken those steps, Councilor Penta. We have asked for the meeting. We have asked where the funds are going to be spent. The question is whether or not we're
0: going to get the meeting. It also indicates that you- Thank you, can, Councilor Knight, like for bringing that vote. I didn't, I didn't see that paper.
11: Through the chair, Mr. President, it also indicates that you can give premium pay for essential workers, and you can offer additional support. And you can also, the money can also go into the educational part, and the educational part, which a lot of these kids have gone through, they have suffered over the past year for emotional, emotional disabilities that kids have been able to suffer. And we won't get into the people. We'll just, we'll just leave it like that. There is money there. It's broken down. There's six categories. You know, I'm not going to go through all six of them. I'm just saying, thank you, Council, Vice President Knight. But I think you really need to sit down. And before you take one vote on this budget coming up, you should know exactly how and when that money is coming in and what it can be used for. And just real as a third point, let's go back to the, uh, li- uh, the money that they want to use to take the $500,000 out of that uh, retained earnings account. We are well beyond the 10-year, 10-to-12-year minimum. We're into almost the 15th year where batteries, batteries are not calculating properly, and that's going to reflect on people's bills, and that's going to be, it was 795 uh, abatements.
0: That's not what the topic is. And no, no. no. We, we, well, uh,
11: well no, listen, wait a minute. we're talking about money.
0: coming
11: I'm sorry, Mr. President. It does talk about money that can be used for infrastructure no, but talking, and water and sewer. And water and sewer,
0: water and sewer. But we weren't talking about that.
11: And anymore. water and sewer. This is public participation. It's my right to say my free speech. And it's my time to say what I want to say, Mr. President. Okay?
3: That's the problem. Don't shut somebody off if they're making a point. You're, you're Mr. President, point of information? Of information. Point of information, Mr. President. The gentleman has a right to free speech. No one's going to stop him from standing right. on the front of the stairs at City Hall and screaming at the top of his lungs right. whatever he wants to talk about. This is also a city council meeting, and there are some parameters that surround it. Right. So I can certainly respect the gentleman has something to say, and I'd like him to finish. Uh, but the same thing being said, you can't just come up here and just start saying whatever you want, whatever you want, however you want. All right. There has to be some
5: parameters, and they have to be.
3: Depressed. Well, Mr. President, I respectfully
11: disagree. Like, information. Is,
3: I
5: identify. What information this? Thank you, Mr. <laughs> President. Uh, two two points. Uh, one, all speech at any public meeting, according to Mass. General Law, is at the discretion of the chair. Second, uh, the pension liability—that's uh, uh, the essentially the IRS final rule on the ARP—came out yesterday which is also the day that the final amount came out. Uh, that's from the Department of the Treasury. Pension liabilities cannot be funded using ARP money, uh, and there were a few other categories. Um, we've had several resolutions on the issue, and I, I was reading a you know 130-page letter yesterday, so I can tell you that this council is on top of the ARP. Thank you. Mr. Thank President, you. with all
6: due
11: respect to the unfunded liability, if you look at the budget for the last four years, it's not been
0: funded. Thank you. Thank you, Councilman. Hey, thank you. Okay, uh, we have public participation from uh, Maureen Ronin, uh, 43 Winter Street, Method, Mass. Uh, Maureen, Maureen would like to discuss uh, Massachusetts dyslexia guidelines. Uh, Maureen, are you on the call here? Yeah, you are. Maureen. Maureen, 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 Maureen uh, with the record, please. My name is Maureen
14: Ronin, and I live at 49 49- Winter 43 Winter Street in Medford and I um, thank you for having me here tonight. I spoke to the school committee last night and my my community participation tonight is very similar. My name is Maureen Raneen and I am the mother of six children. My three elementary school age children struggle significantly with reading. They work with dedicated and professional teachers that genuinely care about the children. Recently, the Department of Education released the Massachusetts Dyslexia Guidelines to help guide districts and families understand and remediate this common language-based learning disability. On page 49 of these guidelines, it references the Every Student Succeeds Act, also called ESSA. This federal law was passed in 2015. It mandates that all reading intervention be evidence-based and peer-reviewed and published in a scientific journal this effectively eliminates the eclectic approach that is uh, also referred to as pulling from different reading programs that takes place in this district our teachers need support and training in order to deliver evidence-based reading instruction with fidelity our etls need to be trained in evidence-based reading instruction so that they know that a student is receiving appropriate services in accordance with this federal law my second grade son's iep states that he will use and i quote Picture cues to decode. This is guessing and is completely inappropriate as it is not evidence-based and peer-reviewed. It actually interferes with with learning to read because it takes the student's eyes away from the letters on the page. I understand that the district has made some changes in early literacy. However, we are still using Journeys as a core curriculum. This program is so flawed that it is effectively banned in several states because it lacks some of the essential components for reading instruction. The district recently bought a patch, but it's too little and does not address the students that already went through the program. Our teachers are required to use DRA and some I've seen um, found us in Pinnell for reading assessments. Independent testing has stated that um, a teacher would be more accurate percentage wise predicting reading failure if she just flipped a coin. I personally reached out to Dr. Matthew Burns who led this study and he wrote that it is terrible at identifying struggle re- struggling readers and that most kids who struggled with reading cannot read a book at their level. Prevention is the key to this. I am asking that all pre-K to K eighth grade general ed teachers and the administration take professional development in the language essentials for teaching, reading, and spelling. It's called Letters by Dr. Louisa Motz. I am asking that every single special education teacher that supports students academically be trained and certified in Lips, Orton-Gillingham and Ravo, which are all evidence-based and peer-reviewed reading intervention. And I, I am asking for the district to hire a consultant that is an expert in literacy to substantially help guide them. We also need one person that oversees all tiers of reading instruction and is accountable for ESSA compliance. All of our children deserve to be taught to read in school. Literacy literacy should not be reserved for the lucky few that learn to read with little instruction or those with parents that have a lot of money for neuropsychological testing, tutors, advocates, lawyers, and special dyslexia schools. I am asking for you to provide significant funding to our schools so that our teachers are trained in evidence-based reading instruction and and that our children are taught to read. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Maureen. Thank you. Uh, Vice President Knight, I just think it would be important to point out that
3: the city council does not set the the bottom line dollar amount for the budget. That bottom line dollar amount for the budget is set by the mayor. And uh, the mayor is also the one that would dictate uh, how much money she would uh, intend to uh, spend on the school department and how much money she would intend to spend here on the city side. Um, I believe last year we did a 60-40 split, if I'm not mistaken. maybe fifty-fifty, 50 um, But with that being said, Mr. President, I can certainly appreciate what you're saying. Um, Mrs. Rowan and I have spoken in the past uh, on this very same topic. Um, it is a school committee policy issue, um, and it's my hope that the school committee takes the appropriate steps to comply with federal law. Thank you, Vice President May.
0: Uh Maureen, th- thank you very much uh, for, you for coming you. this evening. Thank you.
13: Thank you,
5: Mr. President, I see uh, Joanna quateri Mejia with
8: their hand up.
0: Uh,
5: Joanna Cortere,
0: did you have your hand up? Joanna?
8: Yes, I had to unmute. I do.
0: Hi, Joanna. Name and address of the record, please.
8: Joanna me here, 35 Early Ave. And I just want to state that it's absolutely important that we respect each other's uh, freedom of speech. However, I am going to, through you, say to the three speakers that spoke about free speech, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. And when you come on social media, and you say things that are going to get people angry, then certainly people are going to say things back and And the other thing I wanted to say is, I will participate any way i want mr penta if i want to re if i want to be remote, I'll be remote, and when I feel comfortable, I'll come to the chambers, and I hope to meet you there. Thank you uh
0: th- thank you joanne M- mr president on
3: that uh, topic, vice president Knight, on that topic, i mean ultimately you know, I don't think the Memphis City Council's going to take up the role of being the Facebook police or the social media police of the city of Metro Okay. Um, I just don't think that that's what we're here for. And I, I don't think that that's, you know, uh, really falls into the line of things that move Medford forward. Um, so with that being said, I can appreciate the speakers uh, feeling uncomfortable about online bullying. And, um, you know, it's something that we see every day from kids on up to adults, apparently. Um, but with that being said, Mr. President, I personally don't think that um, the Method city council is the appropriate forum, uh, to air out your grievances regarding what people said about you on Facebook and how they said it.
5: Thank you. Uh, Mr. Thank, President, thank
0: if I may, uh, Councilor Biss.
5: I just want to completely agree with Councilor Knight and the whole purpose of the first amendment is that the government shouldn't get in the business of regulating speech in the first place. So it's not our prerogative and the best way we can honor the first amendment is to not do that. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Um, we have uh, one more person under public participation. Uh, Mr. Biglioni, name and address of the record, please. Mr. Biglioni, name and address of the record.
11: Please. Hi, can you hear me okay? Uh, Joe Villione, 446 Charles Street, Marlin, Massachusetts. Um, thank you, counselors. Um, about 2009, when Judge Jackson Thompson was in the room, Uh, The city solicitor at the time said that the city does not chill free speech. I think that's the essence of what the petitioners were trying to say tonight about the city chilling free speech. And maybe that should be the topic. We should find a way for people to actually express themselves uh, at the access station, at the city council. That's all I have to say. I want to applaud them for coming up and showing the courage to uh, discuss this issue.
4: Thank you.
0: Thank you, Mr. Big Leone. Um, any, any further participation from the public? I don't see any hands up. Uh, excuse, excuse me, I see uh, one more. Uh, uh, Mr. Castagnetti, name and address to the record, please. Mr. Castagnetti, name and address of the record, please. Hello? Yes, Mr. Castagnetti, name and address, please.
10: I was actually having a cigarette inside my fireplace. I was waving at my my cigarette. However, (laughs) that's okay. However, since I have an invitation... (laughs) (laughs) I I
0: thought you were waving. Thank you, Mr. Kastneri.
10: Tell you what, I'll I'll say a few words. I'd be remiss not to. May I?
0: Get... Get... um, we lost you, Mr. Castanetti. Okay. Uh, we'll try to get you back. Should be. did you want to speak? Name an address on the record, please. Name Merritt, 373 Riverside Ave, Medford. Um, not related to free speech or anything like that, but
11: as a resident, and I'm sure some of you have actually driven by my house, uh, I live right near Wegmans, trash pickup. Normally our trash is picked up on Monday. My trash barrel is still out from waste management. It is Tuesday. I don't know when they are coming. Should everyone on Riverside Ave be calling the phone number that's given to report this trash pickup or is this something that
3: could be handled? I would recommend calling uh, Mary in the DPW office and uh, she'll be able to help coordinate the trash pickup. But if they missed the whole street.
4: I think they missed the whole street. Yeah, that's why first, if yeah, it was just me, I would call the street, number uh, But you look up yeah. and down.
3: Give a, give a call uh, to the DPW and I'm sure that we can make that phone call in the morning. We could direct the city clerk to do such to uh, have them uh, be sure that uh, they inform the mayor's office uh, through the DPW and Mayor Menezes that uh, trash pickup on Riverside Ave was skipped on Monday. And I will offer that in the
0: form of a motion. OK. Good. It's public. There's no motion. Okay, yeah. All right, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, but the we'll, the clerk, will take, we'll clerk will call in the morning. All right. Yeah. Great,
3: and um, just because I know you do have a budget coming up, maybe one thing to consider are metrics in terms
11: of because this isn't the first time that this is happening with waste management so perhaps if you do have missed pickups or whatnot that's something you all being interested in perhaps you can use this uh, some leverage to set
0: the rate in the future thank you thank you sir miss last did, did you want to speak or not no okay thank you um records we'll pass the Councilor max marks council marks how did you find those records review next week. On uh, the motion by Council Marks that the records be tabled for one week. Seconded by Vice President Knight. Mr. Clerk, please call the roll.
1: Council Bears. Yes. Council Falco. Yes. Vice President Knight. Yes. Council Marks. Yeah. Council Morel. Yes. Council Scarpelli. Yes. President Carabiolo. Yes. Seven to permit the We have a motion to adjourn.
0: On uh, the motion by Vice President Knight. Seconded by Second by
1: Councilor Marks. Mr. Clerk, please call the roll. Councilor Baird. Yes. Councilor Falco. Yes. Vice President Knight. Councilor Marks. Councilor Morrell. Yes. Councilor Scarpelli. President Carabiello. Yes. Stephen Inferno. Motion passes. Adjourned.